Oh. Well, it is good to be back. Um, you know, you can only have like little chocolates put on your pillow so many nights in a row and, <laughs> and like people putting napkins in your lap, like I really can do this myself, you know, it's like, but it, it's kind of, kind of fun for a little while, but it, it is good to be back. We were, we were anxious to be there. Hey, we are uh, in a series on uh, the one another's in Scripture. There's a whole bunch of them. We'll be looking at about eight or nine. And today's one another is that we are to encourage one another. Uh, the main Scripture, if you want to follow along in the sermon notes that were in your bulletin, you can follow along, but it's 1 Thessalonians 5.11 that says, Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up just as, in fact, you are doing. And my, my hope and my prayer <clears throat> is that that is what would be said of us as a church, is that we are encouraging and building one another up just, in fact, as you are doing, that that is what we would be known for and that we would be that way. You know, we, we kind of have an idea of what encouragement is. The, the definition is to inspire with courage, spirit, or hope. There's definitely a sense of that sometimes when somebody cannot find it in themselves to have courage, that we give that to them. That when they are down and out or whatever, that we come alongside and we, we inspire, we actually give them the courage that they don't have themselves, and we encourage people uh, themselves. The most, uh, I think the... Um, in, in, at least in youth sports, the ultimate encouragement, and, and in your bulletin I put down, yay, run, go, the ultimate encouragement is in T-ball. It is the greatest. There's a picture of Matthew when he was on T-ball, probably about 14 years ago. He was four years old. And here's why. If you've ever been a part of T-ball, it's the greatest. It's, so it's the beginning of baseball. They're just learning to put the mitt on the right hand. They're they're kind of learning where the positions are. You're learning how to hold the bat and how to swing. And, and so the first game of T-ball season, they line up. And, and the way they give out, the way it works is in Little League is they give the uniforms out. There were 13 kids on Matthew's team. The smallest kids got the lower numbers. The bigger kids got the biggest numbers. Matthew's always kind of been one of the bigger kids. He got number 13. So the way it works is you sit one, two, three, four. It's just easier probably to keep kids. One, two, three, four, all the way to 13, and Matthew's at the end. And number one gets up to hit. The other team's out in the field. They kind of place themselves. There's parents out there telling them what to do. And number one gets the bat back and swings and maybe hits the tee or whatever. But when, the, when you hit the ball, both sides, parents, everybody, is like, go, go, run, run, make, you can do it, you can do it. And they run, and hopefully they run towards first base and not third base, right? They get, but anyway, and the second person gets up, swings and hits the ball, both sides erupt, go, go, you can do it, go. It doesn't matter, what, you're not rooting for one side against the other. And the way it worked at Claremont, at least, is that everybody, every inning, everybody got up to hit. And no matter, you didn't make any outs in the beginning. There's no outs, there's nothing like this, and you just make it no matter what. And the last person who just happened to be Matthew this game, because he's the biggest kid, number 13, hits the ball, bam! And the way it works is, then you go all the way around the bases. And so it's funny, Matt, Nancy and I were sitting watching, and Matthew goes all the way around the bases, and Nancy turns to me and goes, wow, Matthew's really good at baseball, huh? And I said, it's kind of how it works, honey. There's no outs, and it's just the way. 
But it's before there's any competition. Before you start taking, keeping runs and scoring and making outs, both sides are just encouraging these kids to learn the game, to run, to have fun. It's the ultimate picture, I think, of encouragement in sports. So what does it mean, and why do we need Christian encouragement? Why do we, and we've talked about it even a little bit today already, but why do we need encouragement? Because we all face hardship. All of us are going to go through difficulties. No matter where we are right now or where we've been or where we're going, we will face difficulties in our life, and there will be times where I don't have the courage to keep going, and I need others to come around me and give me the courage I need to keep going the hope to keep going, right? One, uh, one pastor that was writing about this need for Christian encouragement in the church said this, Jesus warned us that in this world you will have trouble. Then he followed it up with much needed encouragement, but take heart, I have overcome the world. We live in a broken world where everything calls us towards selfishness and despair, sin steals our joy, our bodies break down, amen to that, right? Our plans falter, our dreams die, our resolve weakens, your perspective dims. We are promised as Christians suffering, persecution, and trials of various kinds, and thus we need each other. We need to encourage each other in the midst of just difficult times. So ultimately, what does this spiritual encouragement look like? How is it different than a group of parents at a t-ball game encouraging those kids on the field? It should be different. There should be difference for how us in the church and as followers of Jesus come alongside and encourage each other. So uh, one of the examples I want to look at today uh, comes from uh, the example of Paul and Barnabas in, in what's called their first missionary journey. Right at the end, there's a, a beautiful statement of Scripture in Acts 14. They've, um, they started out in this place called Antioch. They went to Cyprus. They went into Asia Minor, started going to some different cities, went to another city called Antioch, went to another city called Iconum, went to another city called Lystra. In all of those places, they had some great fruit that happened, but they also, in all three of those places, got run out of town. In fact, in the last place, in Lystra, uh, Paul was stoned to the point where they thought he was dead. They've been kicked out of all these places along the way, and now they're headed to a place called Derby, a city called Derby. And here's what it says. They preached the gospel in that city, in Derby, and won a large number of disciples. This isn't really about this encouragement, but we, we kind of can go through Scripture so quickly we miss things. But what an incredible thing. As they preached the gospel, they won a large number of disciples. I mean, when we read that, we should be going, yes, that is so great. There's more people that have moved from darkness into light. There's more people that have now were lost, they're now found. I mean, and, um, just this week, uh, my daughter Julia is working at a Young Life camp. She is there for three weeks doing laundry. That's her job with four high school girls. They do laundry for the whole camp. Hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of kids and sheets and all, everything. But here, she sent out a prayer thing. I know some of you get this. 
Here's what she says. And she's talking about the, she says, hey, pray for us this week. This is so cool. I just have to say, Young Life has a thing called uh, Young Lives. This last week at camp, it was teenage moms and their babies at camp. Pretty awesome. The week before that, which is what she's writing about here, this is what she says. Last week, 69 high school kids stood up at the end of the week and said they gave their life to Christ or rededicated their life. Wow! The church should go, yes! And we get to be a part of that. So amazing, right? 69 kids came to know Christ. The whole, a large number of disciples in Derby came to know Christ because of Paul and Barnabas going there and preaching the gospel. Then it says, Then they returned to Lystra, Iconum, and Antioch, strengthening the disciples and encouraging them to remain true to the faith. We must go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God, they said. Paul and Barnabas appointed elders for each of them in the church with prayer and fasting, committed them to the Lord in whom they had put their trust. After going through Pisiad, they came into oh, another place, and then, they, um, and then they preached the word in Perga and went down to Italia. Hey, one thing I, I, I skipped over real quick. It's pretty important now. I'll go back to it a little bit. What we're supposed to do as, as the church to encourage each other is we are to encourage each other to remain faithful to the Lord and to continue to trust him. That is ultimately what Christian encouragement is, to remain faithful to the Lord and to continue to trust him. So here's the thing. I think we have a map we can throw up there. Oh, go back. I, I took you back. So here is Paul's first missionary journey. Starts out here on the right in Antioch. They go to Cyprus. They go up there. Then they go to Antioch, then Iconum, and then Lystra. And then they get to Derby. You see where they are. And that's where this scripture started out is they're in Derby. Now, there's some mountains there between them and, and Sicilia, which is that extra area right there. But there's a pass, a really well-known pass I read about that said that it would have been very easy to go from Derby into the area of Sicilia. And in Sicilia, there's a town called Tarsus. And that is where Paul grew up. That's where his family probably was. It would have been very easy for Paul and Barnabas to just go through that pass and get to Tarsus to a place that's comfortable for Paul. A place where he maybe is well known, where he has family, they can take care of him, whatever. But they go back to Lystra where he was just stoned. They go back to Iconum where they were just run out of town. They go back to Antioch, where they, again, were run out of town. And they go back for the intended reason of strengthening the people that were there and encouraging them in the faith. So the point I'm, I make from this little scripture is that in, it takes intentional sacrifice to really encourage. We, we intentionally have to say, I'm going to help this person. I'm going to come alongside this person. Um, I'm going to uh, help this person in whatever way I can. You know, Barnabas is known for this, right? Um, in Acts chapter 4, we first meet Barnabas, and here's what it says about him. It says, Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostle called Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, sold a field he owned and brought the money and put it at the apostles' feet. He sacrificed. He was willing to give, to sell something, to give it to others. 
And this is what encouragement really begins with, is intentionally sacrificing for others. It can be financially. It can be just in terms of our time, which is a huge sacrifice sometimes. It can be just sending someone a text. It can be sending an email. It could be writing a letter. You still can do that. Actual paper, envelope, stamp still works. But it means so much when we do that. And I don't know if you're like me, but I'll be thinking about people or throughout my day or things I might do or something. I'll think, oh, I should do this. I should send, I should say thank you to them or whatever. And then for whatever reason, the course of the day, I just forget. I don't do it. We have to be really intentional in order to really encourage one another. So it happens in a lot of different ways. But it will take intentional sacrifice to actually encourage people, I'd say. Write the letter. Send the text. Make a phone call. Give some money. It'll take intentional sacrifice. The other thing, that the other, there's a couple other ways that we uh, can, um, what in spirit, spiritual encouragement looks like. And this is that we speak the word of God to one another. Romans chapter 15, we'll look at a few little verses in Romans 15, but here verse 4 says this, for everything that was written in the past was written to teach us, so that through the endurance taught in the scriptures and the encouragement they provide, we might have hope. That, that the word of God is, is to encourage us. The reason I believe it does, and it is, should, is that as we read the word of God, as we speak the word of God to one another, we are uh, allowing people to get to know God better, to get to know his character and who he is and his qualities, right? We, we get to know that his attributes, we understand his power and his compassion, his wisdom and his love for us. And so as we speak the word of God to one another, it should draw us into a deeper relationship with God and that should cause us then to be encouraged because of who God is. One thing I do want to say is that um, there's probably a step before speaking the word of God to people, and that is listening, first and foremost. That, that people oftentimes, what they need more than anything is just someone to listen before we begin to speak God's word to them or say, have you thought about this scripture or anything like that? The most important thing is to really listen and to understand the depth of what somebody might be going through. But speaking the word of God to people, helping them to get to know our God in a deeper and more powerful way is another way of encouraging them to have endurance and to continue on in their faith. The, the third way that we can encourage one another is that we pray for God's Spirit just to give them encouragement and endurance. Again, from Romans 15, such a powerful verse, a couple verses, uh, Paul writes, uh, May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you the same attitude of mind towards each other that Christ Jesus had, so that with one mind and one voice, you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Is that there are just times when the best thing we can do for people or one of the most powerful things is just to pray that God's Spirit would give them encouragement and endurance. That whatever they're going through is so deep and so difficult that they just need God's Spirit to come in and, and revive their heart and to give them and inspire them 
with courage. That, that's Honestly, that's part of what tonight we're hoping will be, right? This verse, right? With one mind, one voice, we would glorify God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ and create an opportunity to encourage each other and to pray for each other. But that's one of the most powerful things you can honestly do for somebody is to pray that God's Spirit would give them endurance and encouragement throughout whatever they might be going through. And again, we go through difficulties. We go through hard things. And then the, the final thing I'd say, so the, the most important things to think about this is that it does take uh, intentional sacrifice to really encourage well, that, that the word of God spoken into people's lives is encouragement, that we would truly pray for God's spirit to supernaturally bring encouragement into people's lives. And then the last thing from the scriptures is this, is that we would be reminding each other of Christ's return. 1 Thessalonians chapters 4 and 5, it's, it's really all about speaking about Christ's return. That one day Jesus will return. That one day our God will put things right. One day there will be no more death and no more tears, no more weeping, no more pain. And, and part of what we can do, and, and, and it's, it's, it's difficult, but that this is what Scripture says, is that by speaking these truths to people, this is how we can encourage one another. The end of uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, Paul writes this, he says, For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel and the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. That there will be a day when Christ will return. There will be a time where we will be with the Lord forever. And the bodies that are breaking down will be made new. That there will no longer be any sin that creates barriers between us and that we might encourage one another that this day is coming. Paul continues in 1 Thessalonians 5, and he says, uh, don't worry about when it's going to happen. Don't try to time it. Live your life in the right ways that God would have you live. And then he says in verse 9, for God did not appoint us to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. He died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, we may live together with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up, just in as fact you are doing. Right? That we will live together with him one day. And so Paul is speaking to people that are going through difficulties. There's persecution. It's hard. And he's saying Christ will return. Hold on to that. He will set things right for you. <clears throat> and, and sometimes that's all we have to hold on to. Um, while I was on vacation, uh, Janelle Webster, our former youth pastor, sent an email along about a uh, pastors up in her old, old town of Nevada, which is up in the Bay Area, um, Michael and Christy Ent. 
and uh, their pastor's up there, and, and they woke up one morning, and their 15-year-old daughter, Abby, wasn't responsive. And they did CPR and called the paramedics, and they took her and brought her back for a while, but then she actually did end up passing away. And it was called Sudden Unexplained Death in Epilepsy. But they lost their 15-year-old daughter. And, and I don't know how you come alongside a family like that, how you encourage somebody like that. There are ways to sacrifice for them, to help them with medical bills, and there are definitely, we can pray for them and, and try to draw them and point them to Scripture and all that, but, but, but in some ways, all we can say is, I don't understand why this happens, and someday Christ will make things right. That you can hold on to that truth. I have another friend named Katie, and again, on our uh, vacation, got an email from a friend of Katie's asking people to pray for her, maybe to donate towards her medical bills because she has been fighting, has had medical problems since junior high, and now she's in her mid to late 30s, and it's getting worse and worse. It's as if her body is fighting against herself. And instead of getting better, she's getting worse. And then in this email that we got, they uh, put in some of Katie's journal. And here's what Katie has written about some of her struggles. But she says, The Lord is by my side in the days when I'm struggling and crying, when I feel like I can't go on. He is the song I sing when the pain overwhelms every inch of my body. Oh, Jesus, be my joy in the wandering when words will not come, I know you understand my tears and my clenched fists. With trembling hands and deep moans, give me strength to trust the plans you have for my life. In saying no to healing me, may my groans bring great glory to your kingdom. And I was thinking about how uh, the friend had sent something out to try and get people to encourage Katie, and yet Katie's words are so encouraging to me. And here's someone who's going through an incredibly difficult time, has been for years and decades, and yet she can say, you're my song that I sing. I hope that my groans bring great joy, bring, bring great glory to your kingdom. You know, oftentimes we feel like we have to be so strong and have it all together before we can encourage anybody else. But the truth of the matter is, we can encourage people right where we're at, even in the midst of our weakness, even in the midst of our not having it all together, we can encourage others by just, again, encouraging them to be faithful to their Lord and to continue to trust Him. It's what we're called to do as the body of Christ, to intentionally come alongside each other and sacrifice, whether it's time or money or whatever it takes to bring encouragement to continuously point people back to the Word of God and say, get to know your God in an even deeper way. To honestly pray for each other that God's Spirit would just come alongside those who, can, who need God's encouragement. And then to keep reminding people that someday, someday, Jesus will return. So the question for today is this. Who does Jesus want to encourage through you? Who is there? There's probably been a thought in your mind of someone. You know, in um, 
Hebrews chapter 3, the writer writes this. He says, See to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God, but encourage one another daily, as long as is it called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness that we would continuously encourage one another to remain faithful to the Lord and to trust our God, and to do that daily. Probably the best place to start is with those who are closest to you. Spouse, your kids, parents, brothers, sisters. But there's lots of others as you think about others that you go, that's someone I've thought about writing a note to. That's somebody who I've thought about calling and saying, hey, let's get coffee together. And that the Lord would use you to increase their faith in him. So our assignment this week, I can give assignments, right? Is that every day I want you to encourage somebody. To intentionally think of somebody that, you know what? Lord, use me to encourage this person. The easy thing would be to send them a text or an email. More difficult, write a letter. Call them up, say, hey, let's get coffee. But let's be a church that actually encourages others. And we're encouraging people to remain faithful to their God and to continue to trust him in no matter whatever situation they're in. Okay? Show of hands. Who's going to do that this week? Okay. I think almost everybody. Way to go. <laughs> Let me pray for us. Lord, what a privilege it is to be part of your body. Thank you so much that we uh, don't have to go through this life on our own, but that you have created the body of Christ. And Lord, each of us has a really important part in that body. And so Lord, I pray that this week you would use each one of us to encourage those around us. That, that Jesus, you'd speak to us. And it might be somebody we're not even really thinking about right now. It might be somebody that from the past we just want to thank, or whatever it might be, but Lord, that you would bring to mind somebody each and every day this week that we can encourage, that we can point them to a deeper faith in Jesus. We can help them to trust God in whatever they might be going through, but that, Lord, you would use us to do that. And chances are there's many of us here today who are in need of encouragement, and so, Lord, I pray you would meet them right where they're at. I pray that you would come alongside and give them endurance and encouragement and that you would help the body of Christ to come alongside us who so need your encouragement in these days. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.